Motorhomes need maintenance too. All too often we forget about the engine and the chassis. This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. So welcome to the show, everybody. This is episode number 106, and we're going to mainly be talking about motorhomes and the maintenance that they need, because sometimes we just forget about it. We ignore it. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about living the RV life. And in this case, it's going to be how much time should you spend per month to maintain your RV? Because, you know, if you're enjoying that RV, you've got to maintain it, but you don't want to spend so much time maintaining it that now you can't enjoy the RV. And it shouldn't be that way. A well-maintained RV should you afford, should afford the opportunity to use it a lot more than the maintenance that it requires. So RV ownership, it comes with responsibilities. And one of them is maintaining the RV. You know, you need to perform maintenance tasks and it's going to depend on, you know, how often is going to depend on how often you use your RV, the kind of roads you go down, whether they're dusty, dirty, bumpy roads, or it's just all pavement. So there's going to be some variables there. So it's not just a straightforward formula that's going to work for everybody. But one thing to keep in mind would be just to dedicate at least one hour a month to looking at your RV and maintaining it. If you do that, you're going to catch a lot of stuff. Um, you're going to be able to walk around it, get up on the roof, inspect things. And maybe you'll find that maybe, you know, the roof, you don't have to check every month. Maybe you put that on a different time frame. But I would get a log, a journal, something, keep it in the RV, like with so many other things that you should be writing it with your RV, model numbers, serial numbers. But keep a maintenance record. It doesn't have to be real detailed, but more or less just what's going on so you can look at it. Okay, I looked at the roof last month, or I looked at the roof three months ago, because, you know, time flies, and it seems like it was just yesterday, but it was really six months ago. But if you spend an hour a month doing that, you're probably going to be able to keep your RV in really good shape. And now you might go out there, and that one hour might turn into three because you find something wrong that now needs to be repaired. But at least you found it, and you found it on your own terms and not just before you're getting ready to go on a trip. So by doing this... You know, by looking at the RV, checking out certain things regularly, like the bat level, uh, excuse me, the fluid levels in the batteries, you know, the tires, there's some other things that that's just going to be maintenance that's going to help you stay ahead of it. So take the simple steps one hour a month and keep your RV in great shape and extend its lifespan. Make it last as long as you can. You got a big investment there. All right, so that's an hour you're going to dedicate each month. That's pretty easy. So what I'm going to ask you to do is spend at least one hour this month showing your RV some love. Buy out that hour and get it started. Um, we're coming up to the end of August, so it would be a great time to start if you haven't already been doing this. Now we're coming up to the next section of the show, staying on the road. Motorhomes need maintenance too. Quite often, we forget about the engine and the chassis. We're focused on the house portion of the RV. Now, when I was in Arizona, when my business was there, the majority of our customers had motorhomes. It was just because it's Arizona. They come down the wintertime. They all drive motorhomes, or the majority of them do. And so that's where my mind starts running is motorhomes. And so that's where I, my mindset was motorhome driven, <laughs> pun intended. So, 
you know, that's what you see. That's what you're in. That's what people are, are asking for or parts for. They're trying to fix their motor home. And there were trailers there. Don't get me wrong, but the trailers were just outnumbered, it seemed like. A lot more motor homes. Then some of the trailers that were there, they are just left there year-round. They became kind of park models, if you will. So my mindset's been that way. So now here in Montana, it's a different mindset because there's more trailers in Montana. I mean, it's probably 90 to 1 here. Um, yeah, something like that. There's a lot more trailers, and a lot of that's not because people can't afford motorhomes or anything like that. It's just Montana has smaller campgrounds. The roads are narrower, smaller, a lot more trees to hit. So the bigger the RV, it's harder to get into the places where you want to go camping and it can be really difficult. And there's RV parks here, but even a lot of the RV parks seem to be small, although a big motorhome would fit, but it just isn't always the case. During these episodes, I try to stay balanced between the two, but sometimes I always just go to trailers. I default to trailers and, you know, and I try to remember the motorhomes and it's not that they don't count. It's just used to trailers now all of a sudden. That's where my mind is. But if you take a trailer, most of the maintenance principles with a trailer apply to a motorhome. You know, they both are a house on wheels. You know, a trailer just doesn't have an engine, doesn't have, you know, the same type of suspension, doesn't have a transmission, and it's lacking a lot of electrical, like, you know, the computer and the fuel injection and things like that to run the engine. A trailer doesn't have that. That's in the tow vehicle. And so if you have a trailer and you're towing it with your truck, more than likely you're driving that truck every day. So that truck is going to be maintained regardless because you're going to maintain it because it's your transportation. It's how you get to work. It's how you get here, how you get there. And it's how you pull your RV. Where when it comes to motorhomes, though, sometimes the focus is just on the house. And you're not looking at the engine. You're not looking at the chassis. It's um, basically neglected. And I see that quite often here in our shop. People bring in their RVs. And it looks like the tires are bad. You know, just, you know, if you have to get underneath the hood for something, it looks like nothing's been done underneath there in, you know, 100 years. That's an exaggeration, but I think my point's being made here. The attention is on the house and not always on the engine and chassis. And even when people buy a new RV or, excuse me, a used RV, sometimes, you know, we hear about it. They're telling us about it. And, you know, this killer deal they got on it, it has, um, really low miles. It's, you know, a 1995 with only 15,000 miles. Well, they're not looking at the age. They're just looking at the miles. And I've made that mistake before. I think everybody has, but when you look at the age, all of a sudden you start to realize, Oh, this is going to need a lot more work than what I thought. Because on a, a motorhome with 15,000 miles, you start driving it the the fan belts are going to break you know the radiator hoses can burst the coolant's bad it's you know it's going to be bad if it hasn't been changed and then there's that starting point you know getting it back to the uh, ground ground uh, ground zero where you're familiar with the maintenance is and getting it to that point now where you just move forward and quite often rvs even though they're low miles they still need a lot of work um it might not look like it but they do and People who owned it prior to you probably neglected it the same, or not the same, that would be insinuating that you neglect your RV, but they probably neglected it. It seems to be a common thread. Now, some RVs are, you know, 
uh, more expensive to maintain. So sometimes it makes it a little uh, less exciting to stay up on the maintenance or you just do the basic maintenance, but they really all need maintenance. So you have to think about the RV as, you know, your, it's your house on wheels and you don't want it to break down when you're going on a trip. And probably the tires are the one thing that are always replaced on a motorhome or more often tires and oil changes. And that's great. That gets you down the road to a degree, but it's not going to get you everywhere you need to go all the time because that's not the cure all. So instead of focusing on the house, you know, you're going to have to put more time on the, the chassis and engine and depending on what type it is, if it's a diesel pusher, you know, it's a Ford chassis with a V10, a freight liner, it's going to retire, require more or less time. And it might even be stuff that is beyond your scope of ability. And you're going to have to take it to a shop and have the repairs done by a professional, which on some of those chassis that can get really expensive, an oil change on a V10 versus an oil change on a uh, freight liner chassis going to be a huge difference in price. But if you don't feel like you can do that, then you're going to have to take it to the shop. But then you're going to have to trust their judgment and checking it out and letting you know what problems are coming up or what things you need to do that monthly, yearly, mile, you know, 100 mile, 100,000 mile maintenance, 50,000 mile maintenance. Whatever the maintenance schedule is, you have to stick to that and you're going to have to have them do it. So if it's a budgetary issue, then you're going to have to do it on your own. But don't neglect it. You know, so often, just minor repairs can turn into major repairs and major repairs can be really, really expensive when you're out on the highway, not expecting it. Let's say you're driving cross country and your transmission goes out and you're stuck out on the road and you have to get towed to some small town. They don't even have a transmission shop. So maybe you're gonna have to get towed to another town or maybe you're gonna have to order a transmission, have it shipped to that town and the local shop put it in. Maybe it's not their cup of tea. It's not what they do regularly, but they're going to do it anyway. So they're going to do you a favor. <laughs> Where's your warranty? You know, if your little shop in the middle of nowhere and your transmission fails, are you going to go back to them? Probably not. You're going to just go to the next place and maybe possibly even pay for the same job to be done again. And that sounds crazy, but it happens. It happens a lot, you know, here in our store, we hear the stories of stuff like that. You know, people paying for the same job twice. In fact, we have a guy coming to our shop from the East Coast somewhere, and he's been sending me emails, and this motorhome is new to him. It's a used motorhome. But he has had transmission work done. He has had engine work done. He's been delayed for, like, two months now. <laughs> but he's working his way here. And it's the tune of thousands of dollars. And I remember one of his emails said that the work he just had done at such and such place, you know, he's down the road another, you know, three days or four days and, and the same work or the, that job failed. And so he had to get it done again at another shop and they showed him all the things that the other shop did wrong, you know, whether it's they're telling the truth or not, who knows? So you want to stay on top of the maintenance and do it at home. Do it on your own terms. That's for sure. Cause this guy out on the road is probably paying twice of what he should have paid for this work. So it can be very expensive. Sounds kind of daunting actually. <laughs> it does. So that's Alexis. She's here. Um, patiently <laughs> waiting for the next stop section of the show. 
but she she works in the store so she hears this stories these stories mm-hmm. so isn't that true alexis how people just have these problems facing them one right after another yeah. sometimes yeah absolutely just lack of you know maintaining it so these are good points you're bringing out right and you know it's they're great stories later on yeah <laughs> or maybe they are depending you know so you know keeping the focus on the engine and chassis isn't the answer either. You have to have a balanced view of both the house, the engine, the chassis. And the more you use the RV, you're going to find more problems with it. And you're more than likely going to keep up on the maintenance better. The more you use it, cause you become more aware of it. But if you're not using the RV, you still have to keep up on the maintenance. Like I have a Ford truck. It's a 2000 with 90,000 miles on it. And this thing looks like new, smells like new, and it gets used and abused. I just take care of it. But over the years, I've done transmission services on it, uh, changing the coolant. You know, uh, well, I haven't done a tune-up yet. That's coming up at 100,000 miles. But the air filters, but, you know, there's certain things I just do because of age. And, like, you know, last summer, because of miles, I was looking at miles. I wasn't concerned about the serpentine belt. And Lexus remembers this, <laughs> that going to someplace in Montana, the Hiawatha trail, the belt, um, went bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, wow, it only has 90,000 miles on it, but it's actually 20 something years old. So the age killed the belt. So thinking about that. Okay. So the radiator hoses, the coolant hoses or the heater hoses, they need to be replaced too because of age. You know, it's not miles, it's age. So those things fail. Fuel lines, vacuum lines, evaporator system lines. So those things give out. And so you, you can't forget about that. And you might think, well, I don't use the RV. It, you know, we only use it twice a year. Well, you still have to do the maintenance. Oil should be changed once a year. The antifreeze, if you're not using it, I mean, depending on what you put in there, it might last for five years. But there can still be corrosion. You want to flush it out at the regular time intervals that the manufacturer recommends and check the radiator. Make sure there's not corrosion building up on the inside. Make sure it's circulating good. So those little things sometimes that are hidden, they can, you know, come and bite you when you're out on the highway. Like I said earlier, tires are pretty obvious. You, you know, they're in front of you. you. Tires are a normal thing to check. I mean, everybody checks their tires. Most everybody does. They should. <laughs> right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's flat tire city. <laughs> but so it's, it's staying on top of it. And trailers are a little bit easier to work on, too. So sometimes a trailer is an easier maintenance project than a motorhome. And motorhomes are more complex. Um, they have more wiring in them. The electronics are more um, more complex. There's more of it. I mean, when I look at some of the motorhomes we get in here, like recently we put an inverter in a, a new inverter in a... Uh, a freight liner. I forget what model it was, but it was a freight liner chassis and comparing that system to what we see so often in trailers, whether it's a fifth wheel or a travel trailer, it is so much more complex. So they're, they have more complexities to them. So they're going to require more time. Like in the intro or the first section, the RV lifestyle, we talked about maintaining your RV, maybe an hour a month. Now that might vary with a motorhome, You might do an hour and a half, you might do two hours a month. You might stagger it. You know, one month is the chassis, one month is the house, but you want to stay on top of that. And I'm kind of pushing this because so often what we see in here in the store 
remember everything's based on my experiences in the store. Well, the phone too is just the, the problems people have that are so avoidable. You know, there's some things you're just not going to be able to avoid. You know, it's just going to happen. If a fuel pump decides to fail, it's going to fail. You can't really do anything about that. But there's so many other things that you can stay ahead of. And when you do it at home or your favorite shop, it is so much more pleasant. You know, it's not as painful. Mm-hmm. Anything you do on the road costs more. Costs more. When that uh, serpentine belt of mine went out, we were able to find a Napa store that had one. But it was, I think, 30 miles in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the tools with me. I had everything but the tool I needed for that. So I had to buy a tool mm-hmm. at the Napa store. And it wasn't on sale. And this is a little town in the middle of nowhere. So it wasn't um, the same price as buying it in a bigger town. So it was probably twice as much. Then you're in a parking lot, laying on the ground. <laughs> you're dirty. It's not fun. It's hot out. And yeah, it didn't take long. And I had some friends with me who helped. So we were able to get it done really quick. Um, but still, it just, it, it later on, you kind of laugh at it. But in the moment, it's like, we need to just get this done. And what mm-hmm. a chore, you know? Yeah. Add another hundred bucks to the day, you mm-hmm. know? But it had to get done. So if I did that at home, it would have just been the cost of the belt. And that was it. You know, probably $28 for the belt, you know, on my terms. So that's the point, staying ahead of things. Um, and you're going to miss something. You know, I miss things. Everybody does. It happens, but just trying to stay ahead of it. So don't forget about the motorhome. Don't forget about the chassis of it, the engine. You know, love the house, love the chassis, you know. Um, take care of both. And so the call to action today is take care of at least one problem you have been ignoring. So I'm sure there's something on your RV that you've just been walking by it and say, you know what, I'll do that later. You find something else to do instead. You know, you'll you'll redo the rubber roof rather than replace a baggage door catch or something because you just don't want to do it. So find that one thing that you've been ignoring and just take care of it. Do it today. Do it this week. But get it done. All right. So now this takes us to the next stop section of the show. And today we are going to Hawking Hill. Oh, yeah, we're going to Hawking Hill. <laughs> Okay, so Alexis, what made you decide to pick Hawking Hills, Ohio? What stood out to you? Oh, it's just, it's full of so many things. You wouldn't think, you know, I, Ohio would be super exciting, but it, it really is. There's beautiful uh, nature. Um, there's a really cool um, festivals that happen there and um, good places to eat out. It's just a very interesting, unique kind of place and uh beautiful too if you're going to go there for you know hiking and biking there's really neat things you can do um there's actually a you can do canopy tours which is like zip lining so through the trees you can do that um there's also horseback riding there um, and they have a glass blowing studio which is also really really fun so there's quite a lot okay did all of those things stand out to you or just a couple of them or just the whole package? Like, oh, this place looks really cool. The whole thing did. There's actually a, a Bigfoot festival, too. <laughs> that kind of stood out to me. It's a big deal there. So if, you know, you're into that or you just like the, the not. <laughs> so uh, now we know. Bigfoot. <laughs> all right. So Bigfoot's kind of popular around here. I know yeah. when I'm going down the highway, I see those uh, stand up. I don't know. 
not a statue, like a cutout, yeah. a metal frame of Sasquatch. Yep. I think there's a place in, oh, <laughs> uh, where is it? Someplace uh, that sells all that stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? So it's kind of big, <laughs> kind of big, like Bigfoot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're a Bigfoot fan, a secret Bigfoot <laughs> fan. Now we know. All right. So Bigfoot Festival. So that sounds kind of cool. And, you know, the canopy, when I read this, it said Hawking Hills Canopy Tours. Mm-hmm. Now, I was... Remember, I asked, well, canopy, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the trees. Yeah, exactly. So the canopy of the trees. Okay, you guys get that? Are you smarter than me? Hopefully. <laughs> so the zip lining sounds kind of interesting. Not my cup of tea, but it does sound interesting. It'd be kind of fun to go watch that. And mm-hmm. then the horseback riding, I like that. It'd be really fun. Oh, wait, horse rides or horseback riding? It's actually horseback riding. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Make sure it's not a little pony. You're going right. in a circle. All right. <laughs> Then glass blowing is getting kind of big. There's some TV yeah. shows now on like Netflix and places like that that are uh, featuring that. So that's yeah. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very cool. So places to eat. Now you mentioned pizza, I believe. Is it something yeah. special about the pizza? I think it's a chain that's pretty popular there, but Pizza Crossing is a big deal. And I mean, who doesn't like pizza? So you can't go wrong. <laughs> right. Okay. So. Now, here's my gourmet tip. Whenever you order a pizza, have them get it to where the edges are just barely burnt. It'll always make the pizza better, <laughs> especially pizza, uh, pizza places that have a tendency of not cooking the crust and it has that doughy taste. Mm, okay. If you put it in the refrigerator yeah. overnight, it's kind of like uh, moist yeah. and gooey. Mm-hmm. So you if they burn the edge just a little bit, that pizza will always be better. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and salt. Oh, the owner puts salt on pizza hmm. just a little bit makes little it bit. brings it. So that's my, my, um, gourmet skills here, <laughs> burning pizza and putting salt on it. <laughs> it almost sounds like the salt would get rid of the taste of the burn, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then there's, um, urban grill. So has that got like a reputation of some kind? Urban Grill. Um, just kind of a popular place. It got good reviews. So I'm thinking it's a good place to eat. All right. <laughs> Okay, so there's places to eat as always, and then where's where can the RVer stay there? Yeah, there's a few different RV parks. Um, Hawking Hills RV Park is a popular one. It's pretty large. Between the town of Logan and Hawking Hills, there's a KOA. And then there's Jellystone Park, which is super cute, the bears. Yeah. <laughs> Most RVers probably know what a Jellystone Park is. Yeah. There, there's a few of them out there. Oh, yeah. And then what's this thing about tree houses being there yeah this is kind of amazing if you're if you're just wanting to go without the rv or you want to stay in a tree house for the night you can do that the company's called berlin wood and they're real tree houses that people stay in they're not like a ladder that you'd climb but they have actual stairs up to them but they're really really cool yeah yeah that sounds interesting i've seen some of those tv shows where they reality shows where they're doing tree houses that looks pretty interesting that would be fun yeah so that in itself could just be worth a trip to actually go into one of those tree houses and just see how it's really built mm-hmm. if you're interested in how things are put together. Yeah. All right, cool. So now that's the next stop. Now we're going to move on to RV Envy. Oh, wait a minute. Let's back up for a section. For a sec- second. I can't talk anymore. The next stop, all of these um, places we talk about are always on our website. And we're adding more all the time. But every time we talk about someplace like Hawking Hills, Ohio, it's on our website at the smartrvier.com under next stops. And these, these articles are also designed to whet your appetite. They're not 
you know, 10 pages long. It's just enough information to get you, hey, that sounds like a good place to go. So then you're going to go on a map and look and check it out and see what else is to do there. So that's what the internet is for. That's the only thing it's for is just finding out where to go next in your RV. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Maybe buy an RV parts too. Maybe listen to this podcast as well. <laughs> so maybe there's a few other reasons. Okay. So go to the smartrv.com and check out the next stop for not only this, this information about Hawking Hills, but other places. So now RV envy. The last two episodes, I talked about the thin shade from Lippert components. And as you recall, the first one I decided wasn't up to snuff. So I did it a second time, reinforce a little bit. So it made me think about entrance door window frames because you might not want to put in a thin shade for whatever reason. And there's a lot of reasons. You just don't want to do it. You don't want to mess with the door. You don't need the privacy that it gives. Your, uh, the glass in your door might be obscure so people can't really see in. The sun can come in, but you still have that privacy. But those window frames, you know, they're approximately 16 by 25. I think they're three quarters by 24 and three quarters are right in there. So it's a very popular window frames on trailers, fifth wheels, travel trailers, you know, cargo trailers, anything with a window and the doors, these things are there. So those frames do go bad. They don't last forever. And when they go bad, you know, generally the outside one will start warping, cracking, things like that, but replace them both. Don't just do one over the other. Do them both. It cleans up the entire appearance of the door um, on the inside and out. And when you replace the frames, maybe the color that you have is not the color that you want. Maybe you have brown frames and you really like to have black. Maybe black would just look better. Well, then you can change the color. And just make sure that when you do these, you seal them correctly. I'm not going to get in all the details of it. Um, the frames that we sell are made by Volterra. And they're under the, well, they're under their brand name now, but the instructions show how to do it. So it's pretty clear. Just follow the instructions. Make sure it's sealed on the outside so no water comes in because uh, it'll bring a slow death to the door if water is leaking in there. Eventually that door will just start rotting apart and doors can be very expensive to, to replace. They're not the easiest thing to repair either. And the glass, if you happen to break the glass, it is available separately. And, you know, one of the signs besides the frames cracking is the glass will drop down. There's little tabs that hold the glass in place. So those will crack, break, fall into the door, and the glass will drop down. So those are all the telltale signs. But the frames, you know, they're relatively inexpensive. So don't hesitate to replace those. And if you need more information, I'm going to have a link on the smartrver.com to our website, ArizonaRVPartsCenter.com, to these window frames. So it'll show the sizes the colors and give you prices and so you'll know kind of what you're up against so i want to thank everybody for listening to the show today this is eric stark and the smart rv or podcast so it's been great hanging out with everybody so if i don't see you on the road let's connect at the smart rver.com <laughs>